Welcome to the One Rental at a Time podcast. This is your host, Michael Zuber. This is the show where we interview guests involved in the real estate business, from experts to newbies, wholesalers, flippers, buy and hold, apartments, commercial, notes, hard money, Airbnb, mobile homes. It doesn't matter. If you're involved in the business, we want to talk to you. This show relies on referrals and recommendations from our listeners. If you know someone we should talk to, please make a recommendation. As the author of One Rental at a Time, The Journey to Financial Freedom, I'm dedicated to helping you take your first or your next step on your real estate journey. But I need your help. We need to spread the message of One Rental at a Time Works. Please share this podcast, my YouTube channel, and of course, my book, all called One Rental at a Time. Thanks, and let's start the show. Hello, friends. Mike Zuber, One Rental at a Time. And hey, this morning, I am going to do a dry run of a presentation I'm giving at a local real estate meetup. Uh, I really like uh, the opportunity to come and speak at local real estate meetups. Frankly, if you have or know of a real estate meetup in California, or maybe around Reno, Nevada, uh, or uh, Las Vegas, maybe even Southern Oregon, uh, let us know or let me know. Uh, I would love uh, to plan a trip, a road trip uh, around and come speak at your local meetup. So again, right, you have one in Long Beach, LA, San Diego, Sacramento, uh, you know, Reno, Las Vegas. If you're on a, a local real estate meetup and you know, there's 30, 40, 50, 100 people there, uh, and you think your audience would love to hear about buy and hold rentals, uh, like to hear about a busy professional who you know did something for 15 years and ultimately left the left the rat race. Please let me know. Uh, again, I would love to come speak at your event. Uh, and as you've hopefully seen, if you've watched any of my videos, I do try to create unique content for each session. Uh, that's why I do these dry runs because uh, I just put together this slide deck yesterday. And I wanted to give it a shot. So without further ado, uh, let's see how it is. So share presentation. Here we go. All right. So we will get started. We will move my little picture up here. All right. So uh, for this particular event, I was asked to talk about building financial freedom uh, via buy and hold rental properties with a specific focus on California. Uh, when I was speaking with the organizer of the event, uh, he was sharing with me that a lot of his group was thinking Midwest and the South. And, uh, you know, he wanted to bring someone that had done this in California. So again, this is what I mean by creating a unique content. Uh, I will speak with the folks that run your meetup and really see what, what if anything in our story would, uh, would resonate. And, um, you know, that's why these, uh, these things come together. So uh, that's what we're going to do for this one. So what we're going to do, uh, I'm now going to try this out and see if it works. I'm going to start with five uncomfortable truths. Uh, this is something I have done a, a unique video on. Uh, I think I did uh, five the first time, and I actually think I did 10 the next time. But I think it's important to talk about and, and relate it to our story. Uh, we will go through our kind of story from start to finish. Uh, we will do my best to do that in a single slide. Uh, I will highlight some keys to success that are always fun to talk about. Uh, I proposed three questions uh, that I think any new investor needs to answer before they are ready to get started. Uh, highlight some early mistakes. Uh, I think it's it's in. I think it's interesting when the speaker, uh, in this case ourselves, talk about you know how, how it worked out. But we we need to realize that you know we made mistakes as well. And 
um, you know, mistakes are part of the business. Uh, talk about our core beliefs. Uh, and then what do we do after we left the rat race? Uh, again, as you'll see, the wife left it five years ago and I left uh, over a year ago. So uh, sometimes it's fun to talk about. Uh, and then we will talk about, uh, you know, how to follow us and, you know, our YouTube channel and our book and all of that. Okay, so the five uncomfortable truths. Number one, sacrifice is key to long-term success. Live below your means. I call it play good defense. It's amazing how many folks, um, especially with social media, get focused on the top line, which you can think of as income or revenue, where it's actually the expense line um, that makes the most difference. Uh, the, the reason that we were successful uh, is first we recognized it, we jointly decided, and, and we moved forward. We got to the point where we were living on 60, uh, less than 60% of our take-home pay. It didn't always start that way, right? We were living at 100% of our take-home pay uh, until we made that joint decision together. Um, another one is you only need to get good at one part of this business. Uh, you don't need to get distracted by all the shiny objects, right? We, we built this portfolio as simple buy and hold investors and more specifically buy and hold out of the multiple listing service, right? We, uh, we didn't have bird dogs or do mailers or any of these other things. Um, we were we were myopically focused on what we were doing and, and I believe anybody can get good at one thing and put together a, a pretty nice, uh, nice life off that one thing. Your personal network matters. This is a, a big one. You need to audit who you spend time with uh, because at least in our experience, some of them will be battery drainers. They will be negative Nellies. They will be whatever you want to call them, but they will, they will basically put rocks in your backpack as you're climbing this hill. Uh, and you actually need people to remove rocks and not add them. So uh, realize that you should be looking to change that. And, you know, truth be told, you guys are doing a good job, right? You're, you're at this event. Uh, you know, probably some of your friends are like, what the heck are you doing? Uh, but again, network, meet more people, um, you know, follow Sean and, and, and the rest, and you'll do some pretty big things. Uh, real estate investing, specifically buy and hold, is absolutely a people business. Uh, and because it's a people business, it means people will disappoint you. Uh, tenants will not pay. They'll lie to you. Contractors will lie to you. Bad things will happen. Uh, you just need to realize that moderate how you respond, right? Never get too high, never get too low and move forward. And then lastly, I think the most important one is anyone can be successful. Uh, in the last year or so I've interviewed ex cons, high school dropouts, people started in their teens, people started when they were 50, uh, and you know, of all colors and creeds and nationalities and, um, you know, real estate investing doesn't care about your backstory or your baggage. You can absolutely be successful in this business. So our story, um, I tell our story sort of began on my 30th birthday, uh, kind of reminiscing about where we were, right? We had made some decent income, uh, but didn't really have anything uh, to speak of. Uh, you know, busy tech professional, traveled 100,000 miles a year, 100 evenings in a hotel, uh, you know, just, you know, we had a busy, busy life. Um, you know, we tried to invest in our backyard uh, for over a year and nothing really made sense. Again, this is a Bay Area presentation. Uh, we found Fresno. Uh, actually, the wife found Fresno and, you know, it was two and a half hours away. Never really been there. Uh, but that market worked. The numbers worked. Uh, our first rental experience, I think, would crush people. And, you know, we'll tell the Norris Drive story. Uh, I've done some videos on it. But basically, uh, after a year of, of finding something, we put somebody in, we did everything right, reference checks, you know, background checks, all that stuff. 
and ultimately what we didn't check for or didn't know was the couple was in a rocky relationship and they ended up getting divorced after moving in wife took off never to be seen from again and um the husband turned to drinking and uh destroying our property uh and of course we were in california so it took 60 days or so to get him out and at the end of that we were left with a $15,000 repair bill. We'd received one month's rent and a deposit when they moved in, but didn't nearly cover the damage. And we still had to make mortgage payments and all of that stuff. And I share that experience with you because again, it was our first one, our very first tenant. And I'm convinced to this day uh, that real estate was testing us. And uh, I believe most people, probably most people in this room would have backed away and said, that's not for us. We don't know Fresno. We would have made a lot of excuses, but Thanks to Olivia, we, uh, you know, we kept going forward and, uh, you know, the, the story of Norris Drive has a, has a much happier ending. Uh, Got to remember when we started, we were in a seller's market. Uh, you know, we were invest, in, in, investing in Fresno when it was hot and getting hotter. Uh, ultimately, we invested through the real estate depression and also the return. So we've been active in the market every year for 15 years. We did take a couple of months off here and there at, at different points. Uh, when the market got a little uh, a little frightening, right around Bear Stearns collapsing and the like. Uh, but other than that, we've been active uh, throughout the cycle. Something we did near the peak that really saved us and catapulted us to success is that we realized that uh, at the time, I think we had seven or eight houses. We were trying to buy the ninth property and none of the numbers made sense. Uh, just for clarity sake, the first house we bought was 107 grand. That house was now selling for 265 or 268, something like that. But the rent was the same, and that was the environment we were trying to buy the ninth property in. Just didn't work. Um, we had we went to an event just like this, the real estate meetup, and somebody talked about you know small commercial apartments, and that was a, a lifesaver. So we ended up 1031ing out of all of our houses. We went from I think eight units to 80 uh, over the course of a year, uh, and then uh, you know we had we didn't have any of the houses when the real estate crashed, and we're left in a in a pretty solid state. Uh, again, we are buy and hold. Uh, we did do some exchanges near the peak. Uh, we do not believe in creating active income, right? We already had jobs, both of us at the time, and we already had the W-2. We were, we were trying to build for legacy and eventually leaving the rat race. So we were not in the mood to sell anything and, and have more taxes. Uh, Olivia did retire five plus years ago, uh, and then I left February of 2018. Uh, now we spend our time doing stuff like this. We give back uh, we have also started, <clears throat> excuse me, turning slumlord properties uh, into pride of ownership rentals for new landlords, because uh, as you'll see in our story, that's something that would have uh, benefited us a lot more in the beginning. So keys to success, we were bought in together. Um, joint sacrifices for 15 years are important, right? In the first slide, we talked about living below your means. We did that together, right? We're still in the same condo we were uh, back in 99 or 98. And um, we could have moved three or four times and increased our house and got a backyard and, but also increased taxes and living expenses and all those other things. So, um, you know, we kept the same car for longer than we should have. We didn't upgrade the kitchen, you know, and, and you know, things of that nature. So we sacrificed together. Um, we bought deals that made sense, even in a seller's market. Um, you know, we, when we were starting, right, real estate only went one direction and that was up. Uh, but we were pretty dedicated to understanding our market and making sure that the deals we did made sense for our model. Um, you know, at the, at the peak of the seller's market, 99.9% .9 of the deals didn't make sense for us, but we were 
we were still able to carve out and create at least a deal every four or five months. Yeah, and that was important to us because that gave us the assets to ultimately 1031 and, and the story goes on from there. We kept learning our market uh, every day for 10 years. And what I mean by that is we were looking online. Uh, we didn't have any special access. We were just looking at a, a you know, like a realtor.com or Redfin, looking for new listings, things that came back. Uh, and again, it was about building this foundation, uh, which is something that's very important to us and, and something that we now um, you know, help, help in new investors figure out. Uh, as you'll see later in the presentation. Always conservatively finance. Um, we, and, and stop when we stop chasing prices, when single families stop working in our model, right? This is right around the peak of 2008. It was a hard decision. We didn't know what to do because we only knew single family homes. Um, and it wasn't until a meetup like this where we were introduced to small apartment buildings, you know, five to 10 units. Um, didn't have any idea what those were, but th that was a game changer. Uh, but we conservatively finance. We, we don't believe in the model that's over leverage and maximize returns, right? We were about minimizing risk. So we were willing to put more down uh, if required. Uh, we did move to small multis when they were undervalued. Uh, for example, uh, we sold a house for 260 something and we bought a five unit building for 220 something. Uh, and the rents in the five unit were three X the house. So, you know, do the math. So, we found that to be good, and when something's good, we, we, we did some more of it. So that's how we went from 8 to 80, as we kept moving up the, the small apartment buildings. Something that happened in the crash is banks stopped lending. Um, you know, the banks made noise about lending, uh, but they stopped lending to real estate investors, and we were starting to find deals everywhere because people were frightened. That's the great thing about a real estate crash is a lot of people say they'll be active when you know, it happens. And then when it happens, they're scared and, and nobody, ha nobody does anything. So we found a way first via hard money and then through private money um, to, you know, pay double digit interest rates and still grow our portfolio profitably uh, in a very secure manner. Uh, we never stopped looking for deals. Uh, we were always, you know, one rental at a time. So once we got one, we were right on to the next one. Even when we didn't have money, uh, we kept looking and kept researching and, and kept trying to make the next deal better than the last deal. Uh, we had so little time, we outsourced everything uh, except for securing capital and finding deals. Uh, those were two things that were kind of core to our business. Uh, we were happy to pay property managers. I'm sure we got ripped off on some contracting jobs. Uh, but again, it was about adding rentals and assets that were paid off by tenants and not squeezing every penny out of the deal because time was more important to us than uh, ultimately the maximum dollars. So these are questions I think... Um, new investors should answer. And, you know, first one is what's your buying criteria? Uh, I hear too often, I just want a deal or some type of answer like that. I'm looking for a deal. Uh, that's a, frankly, not a good answer. It should be something like I'm looking for $250 cash flow a month per door, or I expect my money to earn 5% or something, something that's concrete, not I want a deal. Uh, what's an average deal in your market? So whatever your buying criteria is, let's just say it's 5%. What's an average deal produced in your market today? Do you know? Is it 4%? 3.5%? You know, what is it? Most people don't know because they're not looking at enough real estate often enough. And this is something that I think is really important and something that I teach how to do. Uh, what's a good and great deal, right? So uh, maybe your market's average is a four. A good deal is a six and a great deal is an eight, right? 
or if it's cash flow a month. Maybe an average deal is 150, a good deal is 200, and a great deal is 300. I don't know, but whatever that is for you. So these are, these are examples of questions that I think new investors should really sit down and ask themselves uh, and then ultimately set up a goal to learn. It's once you learn these questions and you learn how to do it, uh, you can take that to any market in any area at any time, which is pretty awesome. Uh, and then what should I focus on and, and what should I outsource, right? So, um, you know, what, what are you uniquely good at? If time's your problem, right, what, what should you do? And you just can't do everything. And, you know, that's, that's you know, really the key to this. So some of our early mistakes, uh, this is all me. I was laser focused on cheap properties. I don't know, I don't know why. Um, you know, I just thought if I could buy a 150K house in a 200K market, I was winning. Um, as you'll see, that was a mistake because I was burning what was scarce for me, which was cash. And that was a problem. Um, I didn't appreciate my cash, right? When we started, we had almost, we didn't have very much money. We had $40,000. So if I was going to buy a 150K asset and put 20% down, that was 30 grand. Uh, and then, you know, if I had a $20,000 repair bill or $20,000 in make ready, my money's gone. Uh, where I should have bought a 200K house and, and you know, that kind of math. So again, I need to do appreciate my cash better. Uh, I didn't appreciate return on time enough. Uh, in the beginning, you know, you try to do too much because you feel like you can't afford to pay anybody. Uh, but again, my job was to be very good at my day job. My day job took me all over the world, uh, but I was compensated well and, and I could earn a commission and, and earn accelerators. So I need to appreciate that, that I needed to be the very best I could be during the day. And this real estate thing was truly a side hustle. So I needed to appreciate that. Uh, you know, I always assume banks will be conservative. Uh, we turned, it turned out that was not the case when we did our first cash out refi. Um, the story there is, is that first property you bought on Norris Drive, cash flowed 200 bucks a month. We did a cash out refi. We pulled out 40 or $50,000 to buy our next thing. Uh, but unfortunately, Norris Drive went from $200 positive to 100 negative. And, um, you know, that was a lesson learned and created an alligator property, which was, you know, not a good idea. Um, you know, we didn't appreciate markets can take asset classes to ridiculous highs while others are left undervalued. Um, we should have been looking at smaller multis earlier. We should have been 1030 winning earlier. We got out right at the peak, which was too close for comfort. Frankly, we literally closed on that last house, like just as the market was rolling over and the, the buyer was getting really squishy because they had one of these liar loans and probably one of the last ones to get approved. And, um, you know, we, we should have done that earlier and had more time and been more selective. You must be bought in 100%. You got to sit down, have the conversations. It's, it's not enough to say, yeah, honey, go ahead and do that. Uh, because again, it takes sacrifice. You'll have bad days and uh, you can't have, you, you, you can't be on the cusp of a fight every time a bad thing happens. Uh, never buy or create an alligator, right? This is back to my uh, Norris Drive example of our cash out refi. Uh, I also hear too many new investors say, I'm buying, you know, hey, look, it's only $200 negative a month. I can afford it. No, you can't, right? That's, that's just not the way to do this business, in my opinion. Um, you know, you don't need to be losing months owning assets. Uh, I do believe live where you want, but invest where the numbers make sense, right? We have been in the Silicon Valley uh, all this time. Uh, we now no longer employed, so we really could live anywhere, uh, but we choose to stay uh, and we're very happy to be here. Uh, but invest where the numbers make sense. And for us, that's Fresno, California. 
I believe it's uh, very important to buy affordable housing. So wherever you are, I, I believe the safest place to invest is below the median. So for example, in Fresno, uh, the median's to call it 260. Um, you know, I don't need to be buying 400K houses in Fresno, right? That's, that's too risky, for example. Uh, you need to understand the quality difference of what's listed in the MLS or deals that will become in front of you. I, generically speaking, see them as three types. There's the slumlord that's the boarded up, shouldn't be lived in. Um, there's the well-used but rented, right? If, if the current rent's 1000 they're rented for like 750 because the owner is milking it and not fixing anything. And then there's the pride of ownership, ones that are, are nicely maintained, fully leased, and all of that. So uh, when you're doing your building your foundation, understanding, you should really think, okay, what am I looking at? Wh which of these three areas? Um, I've created an acronym called CRAP. It stands for Cash Rich Asset Poor. I don't believe you can save your way with cash to a comfortable retirement. You know, cash is trash, all of those things. Um, you know, cash disappears, you know, all of those things. It's, it's the rare person that can have the financial wherewithal or the, uh, you know, they sell a company or the professional athlete that they can just literally save and, and live a comfortable retirement. Um, you always got to leverage conservative financing. I'm not the maximum finance guy. I get hate mail all the time from people that says you're, you're telling people to put more down, which lowers the return. And all I can say is yes, right? Because for me, it's about helping people that have full-time jobs that don't need the extra headache or risk or, or all of that that comes from being over-leveraged. I saw people that were worth 10 million bucks go bankrupt in nine months last time. And I'm not going to be a part of you know, advising people to try that again and hope it works out. Just not, not who I am. You know, you got to focus on one thing. Um, you know, we were buy and hold rentals, right? If you want to be a flipper, be a flipper. If you want to be a wholesaler, be a wholesaler, right? Get good at that. Uh, as we said earlier, you only need to be good at one thing in this business uh, when you're starting out, uh, and that's it. Now, when you get successful and you have more time and you've, like us, you've left the rat race and you want to add something like we have, sure. But don't get distracted in the first five or six years. Just, just declare what you are and become very, very good at that. And then again, real estate's a people business, not only being a landlord, but also buying and selling and repairing and insuring and leasing and title companies. And it's a people business. It's not about spreadsheets. So what do we do now? Um, first off, we're still adding to our portfolio. I think we've added 15 or 18 units already this year, um, usually via seller financing. Um, but we're not opposed to doing uh, deals that make sense for cash or with bank lending. Uh, we, we, we are absolutely still uh, adding to our portfolio. Uh, we are repositioning debt uh, and equity. So we are in a position where we still have some of those private loans paying 10%. Uh, we can get bank lending for the first time in a while. Uh, so we are laddering up some multifamilies and paying off others. And uh, we're just being strategic how we, how we handle our legacy portfolio. Uh, we are finding slumlord properties meaning the stuff that's really, really rotten and, and spending the 40 or 50 grand to fix them up. And then we sell them uh, to new investors uh, because again, we believe that's what we should have bought. Uh, so we are, we are uh, helping new investors buy quality product that are already leased. Uh, we actually have eight single family house projects in flight currently that will come online in the next 30 to 90 days if you're interested. Uh, we do give back. Uh, one thing that we're really proud of is we have a YouTube channel called One Rental at a Time. Please subscribe. Uh, we are targeting daily content uh, for that. Uh, we do interviews, walkthroughs, real talk, subscriber questions. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we did document our 15-year journey via a self-published book on Amazon. 
uh, called One Rental at a Time. We did bring a few copies here if you're interested. Uh, we did autograph the ones here. They're 20 bucks. Uh, if you go on Amazon though, they are cheaper. They're $14.99. Uh, and then lastly, uh, we did create a course because uh, we do like to help new investors create and hone their skill of finding deals. It's called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. Uh, and if you're interested, we can you know, share the link and we do have a, a coupon code. If you're interested, that saves you 50 bucks, bringing the price from $199 to $149. And then there's, uh, that's our show. That's the cover of the book. If you happen to go to Amazon and type in One Rental at a Time, that's the book. Last time I saw it, we had 60 some odd reviews and uh, open for any questions. So again, that's a dry run. It's a little bit faster. I'll probably add more stories. I'm not actually sure how long that was. Uh, but the idea again is if you run a real estate meetup uh, somewhere in California or Nevada, somewhere we can drive to, uh, let us know. We'd love to come see the group uh, and share our story. And again, if you have a topic, let me know because I like creating new stuff. I don't so far, I've never recycled a presentation. So in the end, if you have any interest or know an event, please reach out and uh, have fun. Take care.